Hello, my friends. It's me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. And today, I have another episode of Boundaries Bootcamp for you. I'm going to be joined with Mr. Derek Wiggum Gibson, who has officially become the co-facilitator for Boundaries Bootcamp, y'all. He brings wisdom. He, he helps us to navigate workplace troubles, and he brings a unique perspective to this whole Boundaries thing that we're trying to conquer here. We're also going to be joined with Miss Christine Wilson, who is a former educator, and currently she is a publisher and dynamic woman with wisdom to help us on this journey to creating and maintaining boundaries. So here it is, another edition of the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, week four, Boundaries in the Workplace. need to build better boundaries because I do have a day job and I own a business. Um, so it's, it's kind of that delicate dance that I have to do between balancing them all. Um, and, you know, I find that this isn't just a me struggle. It's a us struggle. You know, everybody has struggled with some of these at some point in life. We're going to first talk about problems in the workplace, no matter how happy you are, no matter how much joy, peace, love, and God you have inside of you, there will be problems in the workspace. Okay. So we're going to talk about working too much. I'm so guilty of this when I don't prioritize and I end up working 10 hours instead of eight, uh, misplaced priorities, uh, focusing on the things that are really not that important. But in my mind, they become the main focus, expecting too much of work. Y'all, I really hate that quote at work when people are like, we're a family. No, no, you're my coworker. I love you very much, but you're, <laughs> I love you in the Christian way, but you're my coworker, okay? So, and, and not to say that you can't make lifelong friends at work, but the first priority is work, you know? And I think, managers and Derek I hope you're not like this with supervisors like we're a family here no 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 we're not (laughs) so um that's something we're going to talk about and then working the right way finding your life's purpose so that's what we're gonna those are all the things we're gonna go over today and I want to say a quick prayer And then we're going to jump right in. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us all here together today. I ask that you just lead me and guide me on what to say and what not to say. Lord, I ask that you allow this session to be a blessing to someone, allow their life to be changed and help them to be able to create and maintain healthy boundaries in their life. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, I, you know, Melinda, there was so much in this chapter and like, I, I, I ended up with like three pages of notes with just the, the boundaries at work chapter and, and all throughout reading it, there was something we've talked about a few weeks ago and it's that boundary of saying no. And, and I am the thing that I'm starting, you know, this question, what do I need today? I need to do my job and my job only, not, 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 not my colleague's job. And, and what happens is um, when I don't get what I need and I'm giving everybody else what they need, 
they, again, when we're talking about boundaries, they don't respect my boundaries because they know I can go to Derek and ask him to, um, for example, I'm an administrator in the school system. So for some reason, people think all administrators do is walk around with keys, walk in the classroom, check and walk out, or I go and run a report. But as a, an administrator, there are things that I have to do. But if I happen to be walking up the class, it's, um, can you can you watch my class for a minute? And then a minute turns into 15 minutes later, and then I'm coming out of there and somebody else. So I think the thing for me, what I'm what I know I need is to prioritize. And that was one of the things in the chapter and do my job and have that boundary again, that that from the very beginning to say, unfortunately, I wish I could. But no, I can't. That's what I need. I need to do what I'm here for. Oh, I love that. That's a good question, too. What am I here for? Like, what am I here to do and do that thing? I love that. That's, a, that's such a good that's a good landing place for me. I might have to add that to my question board. <laughs> and, you know, when you say administrator, the only thing that came to my mind is the disciplinarian who walked around with the walkie talkie and the keys. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess I got to re- rethink rethink the way I look at an administrator. <laughs> but yes, so again, this is one of the great questions. And what I found when I when I post these up on the podcast, it's like I always get emails and almost every email I can end with this question. What do you need? You know, what do you need? What boundary do you need? So again, that's going to be kind of a common theme today as we talk through this. Um, and I want to, you know, this this really stood out to me, you know, boundaries can help resolve many work-related problems and help you to be happier and more fulfilled in the work you do. And I found that quote on page 196. And that's so true. Boundaries can resolve many problems. And one of the people who helped me learn this lesson is our special guest today. And when I, she is very masterful in the way that she is able to gently create a boundary. You know, she's not forceful. She's not mean or rude. It's like she has been graced to create professional boundaries. And recently I reached out to her and she reminded me of this. And I tell you, y'all, I've set this boundary in my publishing company that I am not going to rush. If a client turns in something late, I am not going to stay up till 3 a.m. trying to get it done anymore. There is a boundary here and the boundary will stay. And I tell you, I would not have understood the importance of this boundary if I had not seen it displayed so masterfully. So I want to welcome Miss Christine Wilson to come on in. And she is a master. I mean, a master at what she does. She does acting, script writing. She's a publisher. She's a mother, you know, a dynamic woman with a lot of wisdom on boundaries. So um, thank you so much, Christine, for joining today. Thank you so much for having me, Melinda. And thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Um, Yeah, I mean, you hit on everything. And and my husband, of course, calls it grace. Like, you know, you just have the grace to do it. But it's really 
because I understand um, how valuable time is and how priceless peace is. And when you truly understand the value of your time and how priceless pieces, meaning that it's not easy to come by. So once you have it, you hold on to it for dear life, you know? So anything that conflicts with that piece, it's like, okay, is it worth it? You know, and sometimes we value the dollar more than we value our own piece. And we don't realize the work that it's required to, you know, regain it. So that's where I am on it. Um, and that's why, I guess that's why I can do it with so much ease because I know how hard it, how much work it took for me to get into this place. Mm, that's, I love that. Like, what do you, how do you value your time? That's such a good question. Like, I'm going to have a whole list of questions to ask myself <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Derek. You know, Melinda, that's one of the, that's one of my stated boundaries with anybody I meet. You cannot waste my time because mm-hmm. that is the only only capital that I have that you can never give back to me. I can make more money. I can get a new house, a new car, but you cannot waste my time. That is that is a set in stone boundary. I meetings without agendas. Again, we're talking about the workplace. There's I and, and this is just Derek. It's no law. I don't think any meeting should be over an hour because at that point we start repeating and answering the questions that were answered at the beginning of the meeting when we started on time. But if you respected my time boundary, you would have started when you said your meeting was going to start and then it would have ended when the meeting was supposed to end. If we have those time boundaries, um, yeah, and I and I'm finding this book so interesting because when we if we were just to ask people what are your boundaries, they would simply say I don't do this and I don't do this or I will allow this. But when we think about boundaries, we have boundaries in our relationships, we have boundaries on our jobs, we have boundaries with our with our spouses. There's so many um, facets of our life where we have boundaries that if we really don't look at them carefully, we, we, we'll, we'll just live kind of haphazardly. That's mm-hmm. so true. That is so true. Like careful <clears throat> assessment of boundaries is how we master them, maintain them. That assess- And I don't think I've taken enough time to do that. Oh my, oh my. <laughs> oh gosh. So, you know, there were nine problems in the workplace that were listed in this chapter in the boundaries book and y'all let me tell you (laughs) I think I have experienced all nine of these at some point in my life but the one that I think sticks out to me and speaks to the work that I've had to do the most is number five that's critical attitudes (laughs) And I'll read them all out. Getting saddled with another person's responsibilities, working too much overtime, misplaced priorities, difficult co-workers, critical attitudes, conflicts with authority, expecting too much of work, taking work-related stress home, and disliking your job. Which one have you experienced the most or you feel like you have the most experience or, or knowledge in in your life? 
I'm going to go with number eight. We actually had to implement a rule in my home because my wife and I both have uh, stressful jobs. And so the rule was when we see each other for the first part of our day together, it's only five minutes about work. After that, it's done because it becomes then all consuming. And every minute at home, I'm talking about, and I can't believe she said this. And I can't believe that parent, the first five, seven minute max. And then we're, we're done with it because then that work boundary has now spilled over into home. And my home is no longer my, I, I tell people if I can't have peace anywhere, I'm going to have peace at home. So there are certain things I don't even allow to cross the boundaries of home. And, and that that was something I had to learn, um, just bringing it home with me, realizing that, guess what? In the morning when I go back to work, it's going to be right there. Be there. <laughs> so leave it leave it there if, if, if for me, all times. Mm, that's good. I like that five minutes. Now I have a question for you, but I'm gonna let everyone else uh, chime in with their with their response first. Um, so I would say probably number one, getting saddled with another person's responsibility responsibilities, and to me that kind of coincides with the expecting too much of work. Because for me, I operate in excellence. I'm a perfectionist. I kind of like to have my hands on and I have to take my hands off and trust that other people can carry their own weight. And that's where I get, you know, okay, so how can I help everyone else improve? And then when you take on that responsibility, now you're undergirding people who actually either don't want you to, or, or you, you, um, I don't know. They're comfortable in their own element, even if it's not one of excellence or even if it's one that you don't agree that they should be walking. You have to let go and let people do their own thing. And that's something that I had to work on. And that's probably the, the thing that I most recently released all of the other all of the other points that were yeah that are there now. Um, all of the other points I kind of released over time. But the ones that remained the longest was getting saddled with another person's responsibility. And that was my own doing, just jumping out there, trying to make myself available to help people um, who probably didn't necessarily need my help. Um, and then, sorry. And then um, again, allowing that to kind of bleed into expecting too much of work and me being the, I don't want to, I won't say overachiever, but when I have this optimistic idea or vision for what something should be, and it does not, meet that vision or I'm not met where I feel like I should be, then I'm like, you know, it can be stressful for me. Um, so those were the final two. And I'm, I'm going to say with some confidence that I've kind of worked through those and I'm not really carrying those anymore. Yes. Look, I'm going to need you to walk me through them. Okay. Cause uh, your girl <laughs> needs some help. <laughs> yes, Derek, I see you. Yes, sir. So, Christine, I had a question for you because it's I, I work in education and, and mm -hmm. something that you said that that I find um, interesting. You said, you know, you operate in a spirit of excellence and getting the job done. And do you find at times because we know that Christine is going to get the job done 
and it's going to be done excellent. It's like, oh, it's really this person's responsibility, but we know chances are. So then does it does it at some point feel like it's a punishment, if you will, because I've I've heard um, teachers who have great classroom management. What tends to happen is, oh, give all of the challenging kids, if you will, to this teacher because she has great classroom management. Well, she had to develop that some way. And if the other person isn't afforded that opportunity, they'll never develop it. So does it feel like sometimes, although it's it's um, internal that you have this desire to do well and excellent, does does it ever come across as maybe a penalty or like, you know? <laughs> does it backfire? Um, no, well, in, in that situation, and actually where I learned to release and to address the things on this list was in the academic arena. I was a teacher for 11 years too. I taught high school English. So um, yes, those things happened, but I learned over time being the model classroom, being the model teacher, being the team lead, they throw you into those roles because they know you'll carry the weight. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can, if you can manage all the things on this list, then you could do it with a lot more ease than if you can't manage those things. And that's, like I said, those things kind of fell off for me some years ago because I had to learn to deal with them. Um, but yes, I had to learn also to communicate and to say what it was that I was willing to do and I wasn't going to accept because they will give you, you know, the, um, gosh, it's been some years, but uh, the co-taught the co classrooms, the students with the IEPs, the students who, and you're like, okay, well, I can manage this, but I need you to balance this out for me. So they also gave, they gave me like, you know, maybe three sections of those students who needed more attention. You know, they had a lot more accommodations that they required, but then they also gave me a, like a ton of honors kids. So I had, I had either honors or AP sections. And then I had, so yes, it seemed like I'm, you know, there are two different, you know, extremes that I'm dealing with here. I didn't have, you know, your standard student, um, but I am one who liked the challenge as long as I had the support. When the support was removed, that's when I had an issue. And I'm like, okay, I cannot do this. But yes, you are right. When they do notice that you're able, that you're capable and that you're actually, that it energizes you, they can use it. But that's when you create the boundary to say, well, you know, I can do it, but I don't have to, you know? And even when they're like, well, we need someone to you can find someone else to do that. And you have to really um, stand up for yourself. You really have to talk about what it is that you can and cannot do because at the end of the day, in, the, in that arena, they need good educators. They're not gonna want to part with you. So they're willing to listen to what it is that you need to work and function in your position the best way that you can. And that's why I was able to manage to do it for 11 years before I transitioned out. Um, but it wasn't, and it wasn't because of any of those things that I transitioned. It was something else. But I think when you really, you know, communicate what it is that you're able to do um, comfortably. And I mean, not comfortably, meaning that you make your job, you know, it's like heaven here. But it, it's like, OK, what can I comfortably do and, and be able to maintain this high, you know, um, standard? You know, I need your support in that in that area. So. Yeah, it's really about communicating. And yes, they will do it. They will take advantage of, of you if you allow them to. 
That was such a good dialogue. And I like that communicate comfortably, you know, so that kind of that kind of hit me because, you know, I sometimes have a hard time with that comfortable communication. And it, it's not awkward because the other person is awkward because I make it awkward with the critical attitude, you know, <laughs> the attitude is like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to be here right now, you know. So I'm going to write that down. I wrote that down on my paper, you know, communicate comfortably, Melinda, not not with an attitude, not not with a chip on your shoulder. That's great. Did anyone else want to share? I think in that regard, though, Melinda, it's OK to exit quietly until you gather your thoughts. I think it's that quick response that gets us like, okay, if I say something right now, it's not going to come out right. So let me go back. You know, let me chill out for a little bit. (laughs) I need to work on that because I'll I'll respond. I'll be like, look, I ain't got time for this. See my little response. (laughs) And then be gone because I know my little mind is like squirrel, tree, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so I have to like, I'll be, I, I think I've, put the wrong kinds of pressure on myself. And this is like personal boundaries that I have to implement where it's not feeling so pressured to respond right away. Mm-hmm. You know, when That's the email crazy. comes in, I don't got to respond. I got all day to the end of business to respond to your email. And if I don't get to it today, I can respond to you tomorrow. As long as I don't let the whole week go by, you know, but I think that sometimes I have like a false sense of urgency you know, it's not really urgent. It's just in my mind, my little squirrel just feels that it is and it's not. So, <laughs> y'all are helping me today. So when we move on, one of the biggest boundaries from that list um, that people often struggle with is working too much. So I did a little poll over the last week to see which which ones should we really talk about on the podcast or which ones should we just dive into to to get the you know, the the feedback of experts like, you know, you, Christine, and you, Derek, and, you know, everyone that tunes in and listens and watches and working too much is a big one. And I'm so guilty of it. So during the day, I have a contract as a wellness coach. And so what I do is help individuals who would like to sustain weight loss, through like total life change. So we talk about the, the, the mental work that comes with losing weight because losing weight is more mental than about food. And so, you know, that I, I absolutely love, love, love what I do. I just had a client to reach 45 pounds of weight loss in three months. And it's so phenomenal. I'm so excited. Like I'm, I get so excited when I see these people losing their weight and all this stuff. But there are certain metrics, right? And one of the metrics that we have is you are supposed to, because it's all virtual, you never see the person's face, you're supposed to, you know, message 100. um, You either respond to 100 messages or you message 100 people per day, which is really not hard because most of the problems are easy, simple. You look at their, you know, their metrics, whatever, and you help them. It only supposed to take eight hours. They're very clear. Very, very clear. I absolutely love the company that I'm contracted with. They're very clear. Don't work over eight hours. You are not solving world hunger here. You're just helping people lose weight. Don't work over eight hours. Y'all, and because it's because I work from home, I will get up, look out the window, go for a walk, wash the dishes, take a shower, put on some makeup, change my clothes, you know, and it'll take me 
four hours to message 20 people <laughs> when I know that I, <laughs> y'all listen, I know in four hours I should have at least, you know, 50 to 60, halfway done with my work day, right? I'll look at the clock at, you know, 12 o'clock and I'll have five messages sent. And I was like, oh, what did I just do today? Wasting time. And I said all that to say one thing that I realize is wasting time is often the reason why I'm working too much. (laughs) Because I don't stop to prioritize my day, plan better, you know, and think about what's in my control. My control, my responsibility is to message 100 people a day, okay? Because the wellness coach money is good money, okay? The publishing money is it's great money. I have to work for it, though. It, it, it's not as easy as just sending out 100 messages, you know? So it's like, girl, listen, you better mind the business that pays you and stop all this other stuff, you know? So that's my little spiel on how I end up working too much. But I'm sure I probably need an hour-long therapy session to talk through this and get my life together. <laughs> so I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Christine and Derek, and y'all help us with this work. <laughs> How do we stop this working too much? So I want to say, oh, Melinda, that that has been such a big problem for me. And, and I'll never forget one year at Thanksgiving, my wife and my kids had gone home to Tallahassee and I was back here in Jacksonville during schoolwork. And of all people I called, I called my boss and I said, how do you turn it off? And she said, well, you're asking the wrong person because I'm working too. And I'm talking, this is Thanksgiving day. We're we're supposed to be with families. But I know for me, the reason I, I found that I worked too much overtime because I allowed my job to define me. And I became my job. You know, I was one of those people that said, oh, I, I would never say I'm this. But when I even when I introduced myself, I'm hi, I'm Derek from the district. And so I found myself working more overtime because I allowed the job to define me. I There was never a boundary where I was anybody outside of this person that was somebody in the district. Um, and, and, and again, it's so interesting, Melinda, when I would go to someone's church to speak, or if I would go to the prison to mentor the young men, they would say from the county school system here, and that, that began to define me. So I had no boundaries of cutting work off because that's who I was. Mm-hmm. I, I became my job. So I had no boundaries, but I did. I find I, I would find myself working all day. And then it wasn't because I was like, oh, I can do this in 30 minutes. Let me kick back. It was because this job defines who I am. And because it defines who I am, I'm going to give it more and more and more. And the more I felt like the job defined me, the more I gave to the job and 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 so then there were there were no boundaries. It wasn't a problem with the job, but I didn't have boundaries where I could say enough is enough. 
eight. And, 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 you know, actually, Melinda, my oldest son said to me, he said, dad, when's enough enough? And I'm, I'm like, mm. what do you mean? He said, you go to work at seven, didn't have to be there until eight and you leave at seven. When's enough enough? You come home, you eat, you go to bed and you're at it again because there was no healthy boundaries. And I let the job define me. So that's why I work too much overtime. But when I came to the realization that this is not who I am, this is not the the total sum of my being. Mm-hmm. And once those boundaries were set, I'm able now to say three fifteen. Bye. I like that. I like that that question. I tell you, I'm gonna have a whole nother list of questions. When is enough enough? That's such a powerful question. You know, when it comes to work, when is when is enough? When is when are you going to stop this? You know, like, man, I like that question. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I just want to add to that real quick. The reason that question was so profound to me at the time, because my son at the time was a junior in college. Mm. Sir, you're supposed to be off at frat parties and doing all of this <laughs> other stuff, not wanting to hang with dad, wondering why is dad working so much? And that was the aha. If it was a little kid, I can get it because they there's they don't understand those parameters of work and thing like this, like that. But here it is. My son, who's a junior in college, says, dad, when's enough enough? That that was that was real eye opening. Oh, that's so crazy how God knows how to put the right person in your path to shake that thing up. Because if it was anybody else, you probably would have been like, like, bye, y'all better go. But your son. As Christine said earlier, let me make my money, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Working too much. When is enough enough? That's so good. That's so good. Miss Christine, I know you're bubbling over there. A little. I, I would have to address it like from based on the three stages of my professional life. So of course I started as a teacher right out of college. Um, I had to learn, I think my first year or two, I was taking work home and doing stuff from home. And I realized it was just piling up at home. And I'm like, I'm just transitioning it from one room to another room and it's not really helping. So I had to be really strategic. And then I had to implement my own ways of assessing work and returning work. And once once I came up with the method, it worked for me instead of against me. Um, But I literally had to make every minute on that campus count because I was not and I was that teacher that never took anything home. That's my private life. That's my personal. It can't bleed over. And I created that boundary. Like I said, by my third year, it was already in place. I couldn't take work home. So I literally worked from the time I walked into the building until whenever I was supposed to leave to go home. And mostly I was doing after school activities. So I actually worked overtime at work. But um, you know, once I went home, I took nothing home with me, not even the thought of what was happening at work. The second stage of my professional career was really taking on um, the publishing, the editing, you know, hat or wearing that hat more often with my heiress brand. But what I did there to create that boundary and to not overwork is I would under promise and like over deliver. So over promising would be like, okay, well, 
Um, I know that I can get this project done for you in three days, but I'm going to tell you it's going to take me two weeks. And that that boundary would help me to not get into that mode where I'm no longer happy doing what I'm doing. It's my own boundary. I could I can do it. But for me to comfortably do it and for me to enjoy this process and for you to not feel like a burden to me, I have to overpromise and basic underpromise and overdeliver as well as on. So. Most of the time when I um, have a new client, I'll promise a certain date and then I will exceed that date. So I'll say, you'll have it by Saturday and they have it in their inbox on Wednesday. And they're like, oh my gosh, I was expecting it on Saturday. So you have to know, and that's a boundary that I created. So they'll expect one thing and I'll just basically over deliver at the end of it. Um, so we have to take, we have to be more um, mindful of how much stress we're putting on ourselves. You know, it's one thing for the powers that be, some outside entity telling you that there is a deadline, but when you become um, self-employed, you know, those are, that's the power that you're taking on. And, you know, that's the power that you now have not being attached to some greater, you know, entity, some, you know, the school system or, you know, some corporate, you know, position that you might have. At this stage in my life, the third stage now, well, where I am now is totally opposite of where you are, Melinda, because even though, you know, of course, we're looking at paychecks, we're looking at um, legacy, we're looking at building a foundation for our future and our children's futures. I'm at a place now where I'm so <laughs> I've gotten so spiritually in tuned that I don't rely on anything to actually pay for, you know, the things that I desire to have, or even the things that I need to have. And that's, the, what that has done is it free it's freed me up so that even if I am working a lot, it does not feel like work. And the things that I'm doing don't necessarily compensate me as much as I was being compensated in the positions that I've left, but I am way more fulfilled. So my priorities have changed and I'm no longer looking for, you know, the financial part of it, but more so fulfillment. What do I feel like when I wake up in the morning? So if I felt like going for that walk, that jog, changing my clothes, chilling out, having a spa day, then I can definitely do that because it feels good to me. And then that's balanced out with whatever it is that I feel like I need to do. But even in those things that I need to do, they also are very fulfilling and feel good to me. So if I'm up at 12 o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, it's not because I have to. It's because I'm so driven by my passion that I can't go to sleep. That's literally where I am now. So if I'm writing, if I'm, you know, rehearsing something, if I am editing something, and it's typically with film projects now, if I'm up editing, it's not because, oh, there's a deadline and I must get it done and I'm driving myself crazy. It's because, wow, I want to I want to see this thing through and I cannot wait to get to the end of this project. And so right now I approach everything from the standpoint of passion and fulfillment and the paycheck comes. I mean, that's honestly the faith that, that I've that I've built over the years where if I know that I'm really passionate and this thing feels really good to me, the money just comes. It just it's just a natural occurring thing. And I trust God that he'll continue to do it for me. And I just keep going. Wow. I like that passion and fulfillment and the paycheck will come. That is good. I like that. I like that. And, you know, I think oftentimes and I know. Um, we had a great discussion on this last week uh, of boundaries and parenting. And I think oftentimes as a single parent, it's like I get into this mode of, well, I got to get all this work done because I'm the only person who can take care of this house. And it's like what you just said, Christine, is reminding me to trust God. If you're going to trust God, trust God. You know, oh, yeah. don't lean on what you think you can and cannot do. 
You know, and, and it's so funny because when, before I got the contract with Noom, I was at a, a crossroad. I was like, Lord, you know, I have this degree that I've paid a lot of money for that I'm not using. And I like social work and I like counseling. I like this component, but, but I just, I need something else. And y'all, I turned down two other contracts because I knew that it wasn't God. I knew that I, you know how you just feel it inside of you. This is not God. I'm not going to do this. And, but then when this one came along, I knew this was him. And, you know, it's so funny because I've been praying about this and God was dealing with me recently. And he's like, listen, I gave you this job. I gave you this contract and now you are mishandling it because you won't prioritize, you know? And I used to wake up every day without a doubt, 5.30 AM, I'm up, I'm praying, I'm getting my day together. I'm, you know, trying to do the things I need to make sure that I have a peaceful day. But now y'all be tired. 5.30, I'm turning over in my bed, okay? My daughter, Kayla, she likes to get up at six. I will wake her up, have her getting ready. And I'm like, all right, let me get like 10 more minutes of sleep in real fast, you know? And it's like the, the blessings become burdens when you don't prioritize, you know? When you don't remember that God is first. He is first. He's the one who gave you the contract, the job, whatever you need. And it's like, I, I like what you said, Christine, so much. That passion and fulfillment and the, the paycheck will come. That's so true because as long as I'm trying to handle it within myself and do it all myself, the passion goes, it fades away because it then turns to pressure. I'm not fulfilled. And the the little paycheck don't even seem worth it at the end. You're like, what? For <laughs> this, you know? It's, it's like, I'm gonna have to rethink my whole week this week, y'all. <laughs> so there we have it, week four. Boundaries in the Workplace with special guest Derek Wiggum Gibson and Miss Christine Wilson. Y'all, listen. Creating boundaries and maintaining healthy ones at work can be a struggle because we spend so much time there in our week, but it is not impossible. It starts with identifying the problems that you're having and being willing to do the work to reprioritize and ask yourself, what do I need? What am I responsible for? And what's my passion? What will make me happy? Do all of this and the money will come and you'll notice that your workplace will become much more peaceful because you are focusing on what you can control and what you are purposed to do. There's still so much more to cover on this topic, so we have a part two coming up, y'all. So stay tuned for part two of Boundaries Bootcamp. And thank you so very much for gracing me with your time and presence here on the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. See you soon, my friend.